I think one thing that is a challenge for climate education here in Finland and also elsewhere is that uh, we tend to concentrate too much on the problem and too little on the solutions. Welcome to Hello Climate Calling, the climate change podcast by the Embassy of Finland in London and the British Embassy Helsinki. We're on a quest to find out climate solutions and shed light on the people, projects and initiatives working around the clock for a more sustainable future. I'm Adam Smith and I'll be your host today. In this episode, we'll be talking about the importance of climate and environmental education with some insights and examples from right here in Finland, a country known for its world-class education system. I'll be speaking with Dr. Essi Olnio Linanvori, an experienced environmental and climate change educator from the University of Tampere. Hi. Hello. Essi has worked with schools, teachers and officials for more than 20 years, helping them develop climate education curricula and materials. She's also worked in several research projects and now teaches both educators and students about climate education. Let's get started. So just to kind of um, get the lay of the land and set out the topic a bit more broadly, um, can you maybe go into a bit more detail about what it is that children need to know about climate change and the environment? Well, there's quite a lot of stuff. I mean, they need a climate knowledge, of course, but as much as knowledge, they need, I think, critical thinking skills. Because we're in the middle of a world where there's so much information And there's also so much misinformation. So the critical thinking skills help you to somehow navigate in the jungle of all that kind of info that you get. And uh, then another one is to somehow take the action wherever you are to realize what in your life and what in your context is connected to climate and, and what you can do for climate change. And I think the third most important skill might be that you are able to somehow stand the insecurity. Because uh, the future, we can't really foretell it beforehand. And climate change is just adding more and more insecurity in the world. And somehow the young people, when they're growing, they need to stand uh, the fact that they don't know what's going to happen. And it's it's really insecure, but you still can try to reach for a good life and, and for making change in the world. Mm-hmm. That first point you made about, um, I guess, critical thinking and misinformation. Do you see that as a, p- a particular problem here in Finland? That that issue of climate misinformation. Do you do you see it a lot in kind of Finnish society or media? There is a lot of uh, climate misinformation, for example, in social media, and uh, I think the number is growing mm-hmm. or has been growing. Ten uh, years ago, there wasn't that much. There wasn't really so many climate denialists in the media or or social media either. And uh, it's not necessarily like completely denialist anymore, but it's more like, yes, yes, it's true, but it's it's only in the future. Sure. It doesn't affect us now. And some other issues are more important. It's playing down the, the scale yes. of the problem. Yes, yes. Um, so who do you think has the most important role to play in climate education? You know, is, is it teachers? Is it policymakers, um, parents? What What are your thoughts on that? Well, those definitely all have a role. 
And the role is, of course, a bit different. I mean, policymakers, curriculum designers, they have a wide role. They touch a lot of people through their work. But then if you consider an individual person, it's the teacher or the parent or the grandparent or aunt or uncle or a scout leader or whoever who actually makes the impact and, and has the discussions with you. And those people have like a really deep impact on a smaller number of people. Have you been able to play that kind of role in in somebody's life in a more personal capacity with your own children? Are you able to share anything about that? Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I've had a role. I've I've got three children and uh, I'm also a girl guide leader in a girl guide uh, troop here in Helsinki. I have had quite many discussions with young people about climate. And uh, I think young people usually... They feel really relieved when somebody talks about climate issues seriously with them. So that's not uh, making them more anxious. It's more like taking the burden from their shoulders because they are worried and they want somebody to take them seriously. And then when you they meet an adult that has been thinking the same issues, but maybe for a longer time, they feel like, uh, no, finally somebody is listening to me and uh, finally somebody has also done something. and. Uh, I think that's great. Those are really, really great discussions that you can have. So it sounds like the problem isn't getting young people to think about the issue. It sounds like they're actually thinking about it more than mm-hmm. older generations. Is that is that how you would kind of assess the situation? Yes. There are some rather recent uh, research results and uh, young people are, most of them are worried, mm. really, really worried. There is a small number that's not worried which worries me actually quite a lot. Uh, but the vast majority is really seriously worried about climate change. And it's understandable. I mean, it's their life we're talking about. They have like decades more than me to live and they have to face the consequences of solutions that some other people have made in the past. But that doesn't mean that they are necessarily all the time like not sleeping in the night and, and not doing other things. I mean, many of them are still living a happy life, but at some point in their lives, they're worried. Mm-hmm. One thing where Finland kind of stands out is that it teaches climate education in the curriculum. That's something that um, not a huge amount of countries maybe do to the same scale that Finland does. Is there anything that you can say about um, maybe the strength of Finland's climate curriculum as it currently stands? The most important secret in Finnish school system is the teachers that are highly educated and highly motivated in their work. But um, one interesting thing about climate education here in Finland is that we have the school subjects like basically all countries have. But what has been added to the Finnish curriculum in the recent, uh, all the last 10 years is uh, multidisciplinary learning modules. And that's something that helps in climate education because climate change is not something that you can fit into one school subject. So you need to have a place in the week or in the year where you can discuss these issues so that you take the physics angle and the history angle and perhaps the home economics angle all together and and join them and and have the cross-curricular discussion going on. Mm -hmm. Kind of, we focus on the good, um, but is there anything that you think education policy could be doing better in Finland? Any challenges that maybe should be overcome? I think a challenge is that because the teachers have quite a lot of freedom, 
in their work in Finland. The challenge is that not all teachers have realized how important it is to teach climate change. And not all teachers have the knowledge and and the abilities that it requires. It is quite a difficult topic to teach. So what we need is to somehow uh, get motivated and uh, somehow give the qualities or or the um, abilities to teach for those teachers that have not been doing it so far, Mm -hmm. at least not so much. So is this uh is this kind of a generational split? Like do do younger teachers um get more about climate change in their in their training compared to teachers who've maybe been on the job for a lot longer? Well, those teachers that are studying now, they get more. Mm-hmm. But uh it hasn't been that way for a very long time. So I think it's more like about the person. So some people have been motivated to uh, follow the issues and learn themselves and go to the trainings. And some other people have been interested in some other issues. Somehow we need the headmasters to join and 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 encourage their teachers to learn about these issues because mm-hmm. it's it is a difficult topic. So if you're not feeling very familiar with it, you might just feel that oh, this is so difficult that I don't think I want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else to be said um, just before we move on about about how teachers approach? the topic here in Finland, um, how they maybe introduce it. I mean, we'll talk more about this momentarily, but obviously it's an anxiety-inducing topic for for young people. So is, does that factor into the training that teachers have about how to introduce this topic? One thing that is a challenge for climate education here in Finland and also elsewhere is that uh, we tend to concentrate too much on the problem and too little on the solutions. And concentrating on the solutions gives the young people hope. Because if you know about the solutions, then you also know what you can do yourself. And you also know about the positive things that are done. And it really helps Mm. for the anxiety. So there's a statistic that I love. I actually bring this up with friends sometimes. And that half of all Finns live a maximum of 200 meters away from the closest forest. And that I think that's the highest proportion in in all of the EU. Um, and also two thirds of Finns go to the forest or nature every single week just to hang out, do their hobbies. You know, so obviously there's no denying that Finns have a very strong connection to nature. So do you maybe think that that connection has a role to play in helping people understand climate issues more generally? Yes, I definitely do. It doesn't, I mean, you cannot really observe climate change yourself. You can observe the weather, but the weather is not the same as the climate. But you can make a connection to the nature. And if you have a connection to the nature, then you probably are more willing to also protect it. And that's a very essential ingredient in building an environmental responsibility. I think outdoor education, moving in the outdoors, exploring the neighborhood woods and so on, it's it's really important also in climate change education, even if there is no connection to the climate talk. We're not talking about the climate change as as such. Of course, you can also see when you grow older, you can see the change in winters, for example. I hear sometimes from international colleagues that Oh, you must be happy because there's less snow. <laughs> But you know, yes. living in Finland, that we we love snow in winter, so so we don't want to lose it, and that's something that uh, 
you can see with your own eyes. If, if it's not there, it's really dark and it's really lousy for the whole winter without any snow. So it's an essential part of our climate education. So we focused a lot on children and young people so far. Um, but what about people like you, me, the grown-ups? Um, you know, um, what, is, is there any kind of lifelong learning element to climate education that can continue outside of the classroom? There definitely should be. That is one of the areas of climate education that needs to be developed further. But there are climate education entities or climate education possibilities also for older people. I meet a lot of educators and when I do, like, for example, an in-service training for teachers about climate education, we actually also uh, go to the climate learning of the persons themselves and we have a lot of discussions of how they feel about the climate and how worried they are and how they are coping with these issues and what we can do as adults to keep ourselves happy and, uh, and, and going strong even though we're worried about climate change. There are organizations that, a bit surprising organizations actually, that do climate education for grown-ups. For example, the Marta Foundation. I, I forgot to check the English name. They have courses for how to save energy at home or how to cook your food so that you don't waste it and, mm -hmm. and very pragmatic skills for your household. So there is climate education available for old people or young people or middle-aged people as well. Of course, for adults, it's voluntary. So nobody forces you to learn. And the young people are in a little bit different <laughs> position in that, because even if you're not actively taking part in these, you still hear about the issues. Uh -huh. Have you noticed any barriers in getting older people to kind of, you know, engage with the issue? Yes, there are barriers. Uh, some people uh, get annoyed. Uh, some people get really annoyed. There is a protest going on in Helsinki right now, as we speak here. And uh, there is a lot of uh, complaining about that. I mean, how do they dare to uh, go to the street and protest? And, uh, and I mean, we have to go to work or we have to go to some place and the cars can't drive because there's young people on the street. Yes, there are those barriers, but there are also a lot of people who somehow wake up to these questions in a, in a later age. It can be because you become a parent or you become a grandparent or you have nieces or nephews and, and you somehow realize that these people are going to live in 2100 or something. <laughs> and all these changes that seem now so very far away have already actually happened. I don't think uh, many people would argue that systemic change really is needed to tackle climate change. Um, but we know that no one country alone can tackle this issue. Um, based on your experience, um, you've, you've worked in kind of international education spaces. What kind of international cooperation or efforts do you think we need to see in the realm of climate education to really make that systemic change? If we think about in climate education, if we think about us in Finland or, or people in Britain, for example, I think it's really, really important that we would cooperate in the climate education with the global south. Mm -hmm. Because those are the people who are really seeing the problems. I mean, I'm talking here about that maybe we don't get to go skiing in the winter. <laughs> and they are really talking about if, if, if they like get lunch next week because of the climate change or if some... Um, island is going to just be washed away because of the rising sea levels. That's uh, a really important part of developing climate education is that we have a connection between the wealthy north and the 
not so wealthy south. Mm-hmm. If you've seen any examples of just really good practice um, outside of Finland, if, if there's any kind of approaches to climate education in other countries that you've seen, which have which you found really inspiring. One example that pops into my mind first is uh, a colleague of mine was working in Brussels in a school and they made quite fantastic drama experiments about climate change. And uh, they were creating like future scenarios uh, first and, and then creating a drama piece and, and presenting it to the parents. And they had really good discussions and learned a lot about climate change in a very creative way that I think makes a, a long-lasting impact for the children. So I'm going to take the time to thank our guest Essie for appearing. It's been a really interesting conversation. And I've got one final, more practical question for you. And that is, um, if you have any any top tips for people listening about how they can educate their own children um, about nature and about climate in everyday life. I have actually two tips. Yes, <laughs> one better. is one is take them out, mm. take them outdoors, uh, explore the nature, and in exploring nature, quality doesn't equal quantity. You need to have the quantity as well. So do spend a lot of time in nature with your children or or grandchildren or whatever your close children are. The other tip is to tell them stories, read them books that teach the kind of empathy and uh, morality that you uh, see that is appreciating nature. I think those are the basic guidelines for for parenting in climate issues. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. Um, and thanks for a really, really interesting conversation. I've learned a lot and hopefully everyone listening to this has too. This was Hello Climate Calling. Thank you for listening. You can find our podcasts on Spotify and of course on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, please don't hesitate to share our podcasts with your friends and colleagues. Bye.